What a wonderful way to finish the year, to be here at uh, the United Reformed Church here in Linfield, and a place that we know well and have spent many, many pleasurable hours. So, why did I bring you such a reading? <laughs> why did I bring you such a reading? There's no grapes, there's cattle, we've got some here. I've just noticed those actually. Sounds a bit depressing, doesn't it? But let me tell you, it's not. What I want to talk about today is, and thinking about, this is the last Sunday of the year. You don't mind if I move about a bit, do you? I I kind of... Thank you. She likes it. There's a a gentleman who goes around the corner, and he says, I love your preaching. He said, but you wear me out so much. I just work on the basis that it's harder to hit a moving target, you see. (laughs) And someone once said of my ministry, have you ever seen a man on fire stand still? There's a thought for you, isn't it? (laughs) Some thoughts for you. So thinking about looking back, 2013 has nearly disappeared off off the scale. And to my knowledge, we'll probably never live 2013 again. Some of us will struggle to get through 2014. Is it a bad thing to look back? Do you think it is? Is it a bad thing to look back? No. You know, sometimes when we look back, though, we look back because we, we have got used to serving a God of the big stick. So we look back and we look at all the mistakes. We look at all the problems. We look at all the issues. Am I on my own when I, when I say that? Very often we can do that and say, I should have got that right and I could have done that better. Instead of looking back, looking for the promises and looking for the blessings, we look back for the mistakes and the errors. But when God asks us to look back, he wants us to see where he was. Like that wonderful footprints poem, you know, where there was at one point only one set of footprints. Because he was carrying you through. I don't know what your 2013's been like. Mine's been fairly patchy. If I'm honest, it's been patchy. If I, if I just look back and say to myself, how successful was it? I'd have to say, it was okay. I think about village day, and I remember village night. And on both occasions, I can tell you, church, that we had less response and less good conversations than we've had in previous years. Now, you might see that as a negative, but all it does is it shows us quite clearly how the thermometer of faith is changing. People are more reliant upon themselves and their cash and their families and, and those things around them than they are in a Jesus or a God. And one of the reasons why we have less conversations is, like when David said to you, who knows me, they know me. They know my face, so in the early days where they didn't know me, they'd walk up and be kind of bold and say, who are you? Because they live in the village and I don't. Well, now they've got used to me that I'm around, so now they take the tactical avoidance steps. (laughs) Now, it could be because I'm just ugly. 
It could be that they don't want to hear about God. It could be that someone's told them about me. It could be that they don't want to go home with a handful of uh, tracts or newspapers. It could be many reasons. But as people get to know you and know what you stand for, those that are for you will be for you, and those that are against you will see further away. Isn't that true? So looking back can be good, because I can tell you, although on those two occasions things weren't so good, we've seen fruit for our ministry. Avril's had the pleasure, she works in the, I don't know whether you know, there's a little Christian shop in Uckfield High Street next to Specsavers. If they go to Specsavers, they get two pairs of glasses on the promise that they'll have to return in two years' time to have them changed. Where if they go into the Christian shop next door, next door they get vision. They not only get their vision, but they get God's vision, which is even better. So that saying, should have gone to Specsavers when we're in the Christian shop, doesn't work. Shouldn't have gone to Specsavers, should have come in here. Avril has had the great blessing uh, to lead several people to the Lord there, as uh, I've only had one occasion there because I'm not there so often. But we've been blessed. We can look over the year and see how we've been blessed. We're now uh, more involved with the Chinese church. You can see, if the English people don't like you, John, God says, I'll give you Chinese people. Many of you know that I do a lot of work with the Indian people. We've done that for eight or nine years, maybe ten years now. Uh, But now we have Chinese And actually, the first six bookings for next year for preaching are all at Chinese churches, uh, three in uh, Brighton and three in Eastbourne. I have to have an interpreter. And I think sometimes in the English church I need one too. (laughs) At the last visit to the Chinese church in Brighton, we saw four lovely people give their life to Jesus. Because that's what God does. He takes you and he encourages you. Amen? So looking back is a good thing if we look at back in the right way. So have we failed? No. As human beings, we can't fail because he that's with us is greater than. Amen. So in human terms, you might think you failed. But in God's terms, you've been obedient. And that's what counts. Let me tell you, church, whatever you think 2014 looks like, throw it away because God will have another plan. But he will only have another plan for you if you're willing and obedient to hear what he's saying and to follow. Amen? Now, for some of us, that's quite scary. The older we get, the more we like our homes. Isn't that true? It's only because we like familiar Uh, surroundings because we can get around the room going outside can be quite difficult as an older person it can be quite a frightening place isn't that true I know I'm getting older faster than I thought I would my dad told me I'd get old I didn't believe him we must remember you know that when God calls us It's never one of those things that's going to be plain sailing. You know, if you have black, you must have white. If you have good, you must have bad. 
And that's what it's like with God. God doesn't say, well, John's an evangelist, so everyone he meets and speaks to is going to fall on their knees and give their life to Jesus. It just doesn't work like that. Oh, that it would. We see in Paul's ministry that he had situations where things happened. And there are times when he said, well, actually, I'm at a place where all I can tell you is I know Christ crucified. That's it. That's where I'm at most of the time. It's a good place to be. Knowing Christ crucified. So what do people look for? They look for their jobs. Can we rely on our jobs? Can we? No. We certainly can't rely on our pensions. We can't. I'm just finding that out. We can't rely on our... The prisons are full up and the churches are becoming emptier. What does that tell you? Huh? Well, as most of you in this room know, uh, that uh, Avril and I had uh, a ministry in the prison for five years, and, and then I even got thrown out of there. So, I'm in good company. Before we uh, get back to the scripture that I've given you, I want you just to open your Bibles quickly to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. Isn't it wonderful technology today? See, they've got iPads when we need an iGod. Can't rely on an iPad, did you know that? Psalm 146. I just want to use this as a, as, a, as a benchmark for what I'm going to talk about in a moment. Uh, I just ought to refresh. What time do we normally... Because I, I do tend to... Don't I? No. Psalm 146. Are you there? Let's say amen. How's it start? Praise the Lord. There's a good place to be today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life, not only in the good bits. This This is a different version I'm reading here. I will sing praise to my God as long as things are going my way. I will do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. The Lord who remains faithful forever, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Amen? Now that's more like it, isn't it? That's what you want at the end of the year. Don't you want something with a little bit of zip, a little bit of promise? That's what you want. And that's what Habakkuk wanted. See, the scripture I've given you is actually relevant today. That's what Habakkuk wanted at this moment in time. He needed to look back 
and see and remind himself of how awesome and how amazing his God is. And that's what we need to do as a church. You know, in the old days, in the Bible, there were things that happened that you could not deny. And yet in our society today, we see so small things going on with God. And it's hard to, to kind of get enthused or, or to get excited. But actually, God's at work. Amen? He's at work. He's at work in me. And he's in work in you today. As Habakkuk looked back, look at verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. When's the last time, seriously, you got up in the morning, you sat down for your prayer time, and you were in awe of God? That you were so overcome with the awe of God? When's the last time that you kind of thought to yourself, how amazing is our God? But that's how amazing he is. But sadly, as the years go by, we come across Easter and we come across Christmas and we come across Easter and we come across Christmas. And the only question we ever ask is how many more? Don't we? How many more, Lord? I don't know. David said earlier, you know, some people find Christmas difficult. I do. I've never had a child. And, you know, I was brought up thinking that Christmas was about children. Well, actually, it was about a child, but they didn't tell me about the real one. They told me about the human ones. Amen? You know, little dolls in, in, in mangers were supposed to impress me that that's Jesus who was going to save the world. Well, it didn't. I knew more about Joseph and Mary and cattle than I knew about the doll that was in the manger. But when I came to faith, the whole thing changed. Amen? Habakkuk looks back. And then he says, at the second half of verse 2, Renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. And then he says, in wrath, remember mercy. He's asking God to do today what he did then. Is that your prayer? Is it really your prayer? And then there's a whole list of things that went on. And in verse 4, I love these verses. He says, his splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress and the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? And here he is, reminding himself of the amazing things from creation to his day. What God had done. How mighty his God was. How powerful his God was. So often I've heard the last verses of this chapter read out. Though the fig tree does not bud and there's no grapes on the vine, though the olive oil fails and the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls and it all gets depressing and we're supposed to say, but we're still going to praise our Lord. 
But if you don't remember what God has done, you will be in a place of distress. But God doesn't want you in distress. He doesn't want you in the pity pot. He doesn't want you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel free. Has Jesus died on a cross? Yes. Is he back on the cross? No. 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 Your sins have been... Have been... Come. Come. This is what God is saying. Don't live like a defeated people, live like a victorious people. Don't take the rubbish from 2013 and plod it all the way through 2014 and then at the end of the year say, I could have done better. No, don't do that. Don't repeat the rubbish that you went on in 2013. There was some good stuff, but don't repeat it. It's done with. Jesus doesn't need to go back on the cross for you. He's done it. The price is, you have the check in your pocket. Get it in the bank, cash it in Jesus' name. But so often in my ministry, as I go round from church to church, I see the sadness. I see the pity. It's all right for you, brother. You don't have to come here every Sunday. (laughs) I do. Did you know we're family? Do we act like family? Well, the bad bits of family, yeah, we're good at. Let me tell you that. I heard a quote, and it's not mine, and don't repeat it, but do you know the difference between church and a knife thrower? Well, with a knife thrower, you know where the knives are coming from. (laughs) We don't live like brothers and sisters in Christ, but we need to start doing it. There's three churches in this village, but there's still only one God. There's still only one Jesus, and there certainly is one only, only one Holy Spirit. And unless we preach from the same Bible, the same message, the village out there will have confusion in their head, and they won't have Christ in their heart. The, the, the town where we come from, in Upfield, we have nine churches. And there's more division there than there is here. Because they don't know how to react to each other. They're all out trying to score points. This is not the gospel message. The gospel message is Jesus died for all. And this is what Habakkuk is saying. Those things will come upon you. Those things will come upon you. You will be persecuted. As it says in Jeremiah 1, you will need rescuing, but I will be there for you. Don't look up in amazement and go, whoa, it's gone all horribly wrong. Now I'm preaching to myself this morning. I don't know how you get on with storms. Are you good at storms? Are you? I'm rubbish at storms. When that wind gets over eight, force eight, I'm not a happy bunny. You ask my wife. In fact, about a fortnight ago, I spent the whole night up. 
Now let me tell you, it achieved nothing, but my prayer life went, whoa, up here, let me tell you. (laughs) I don't like gales. I don't know why. Maybe I need counselling. But it does give you some idea of that you will go through storms in your life. And storms ain't easy, are they? No matter what age we are, you think when you get older, oh, well, I can deal with it. But you can't. In fact, I think as we get older, we're worse at dealing with it than the children. Now, guys, if you're married to somebody like my wife, then... I'm going to be praying with you because when I'm, when I'm frantic about what the gale is doing, she's snoring for England. <laughs> In fact, I'm sure the wind gets stronger just trying to make more noise than she is. She couldn't care less. She got up the other night and she said, I saw you pacing about outside. I don't know whatever you thought you were going to achieve. There's a a lot of sound wisdom in that. But seriously, as Christians, it's not what journey we're on, it's where we're headed, isn't it? We've got a ticket, it's not going to go up. Inflation's not going to change. And unlike the railway service, we will get there in God's time, won't we? Have you noticed this winter, I believe, this just this last two weeks, God's at work saying, you're relying on going abroad for your holiday, ain't going to happen. You're going to try and get there by train? Well, I told you that was stupid. Why do you think Joseph and Mary went on a donkey? We are, we rely upon these things and, and we get so upset when it doesn't work out. Well, let me tell you, I believe what God's saying and I'm not a prophet, so, but I'm just going to say, I believe what God's saying. He's saying community comes first. Blossom where you're planted. There are people in this village that need you. And remember, if you're taking a holiday... You need to have done something to need a holiday from it. Holidays were made for rest. But I believe what God is saying is that we need to be caring for each other where we are. Travel becomes expensive and it becomes disruptive. Doesn't it? But God planted us here. Like it or lump it. Some of us put ourselves here and say, God sent me. Don't we? But it's not always true. Sometimes we like the village. Or we like where we're living. But God has a plan and a purpose for you there. And so, what am I saying today? 2014 is a fresh start, isn't it? Every morning for me is a fresh start, let me tell you. I just thank God that you can go to sleep and wake up in the morning and start again. I don't know how many fresh starts I need, but you do, don't you? You know, you just want to wake up and get on with something new because whatever it was didn't work out or whatever. 
But here is Habakkuk saying, look, here I am, and I'm facing some calamity, but I'm going to look back and I'm going to remind myself how awesome my God is. I'm going to remind myself how he moved mountains. I'm going to remind myself that he split the land. I'm going to remind myself that he put stars up into space. I'm going to remind myself of all that went on through those gospel days. I'm going to remind myself that this God that I serve is so awesome that I have nothing to fear. Now, I don't believe it's a reflection on my marriage, but my wife, if you asked her what's the deepest desire in her heart, she'll tell you is to go to heaven. That's a fact, is it not? She said, I can't wait for the day I die and go up to be with Jesus. I think, oh, fine. Right? <laughs> but seriously, that's the desire God's put in our heart. He said, this is, not your, this is not your finishing place. You're going to a better place. But it says, don't be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. We're here to show people that we have a hope. Have you got a hope? Of course you have. We've been singing about it. Small things will come into your life that will just so upset you and so try and steer you away. But let me tell you, 2014, we're going forward and we're going forward strong. Because our strength is not in us, it's in him. You know, there's that lovely bit. uh, Let me just take you there now. In verse 16, he said, I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Does that mean he was defeated? No, he was just so overcome. If you remember when, when, um, when John saw Jesus, he fell to the floor. He's facing because the power and the glory was so great. And here he is suddenly remembering how awesome God is. And it felt like his bones had given in. He, the decay had taken him over. That's how he felt. Suddenly had a a real grasp of who he was and who his God is. And then he says in verse 19, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like feet of a deer. Suddenly he's gone from being a man with woe is me. He's looked back and he's seen the great things God's done. And he's moved into a place of victory. Are you in a place of victory this morning? Did you come to church this morning thinking, hope I get home for one. I hope Gladys is there or Fred. Or did you come with a heart open to hear what God's saying? Eh? Is that what you came for? Because God gives you the desires of your heart. You know, many people say to me, John, I don't know how you can get excited and overjoyed about knocking strangers' doors. Do you know why I have no fear when I knock a stranger's door? Do you know why? God not only called me, but he equipped me. He called me and he equipped me. That's what he's doing for you. So I suggest in this last few days of 2.13 that you say, Lord, am I in the right place? 
Am I doing the right things? Am I doing things that are taking me away from what you want me to do? So that when you get to 2014, you can put your foot forward. Can you imagine when Moses was leading the people out of Israel? And he wasn't a strong man, as you know. He's a bit of a wimp, wasn't he? Don't ask me to go and speak. I have no words. And yet, when he knew God was with him, there was no one stronger. There was no one better equipped. Because when God equips you, you're equipped. Amen? Now, one thing mistake we make in churches is we do try to get people to fit holes or squares that they don't belong in. We all have a need to have this done or this done or this done. That's how church life works. But let me say, you're in a thriving church and a church that's going to be blessed in this year to come. That's not my words. Let me tell you, that's not my words. That's God's words. Amen? He doesn't call you to fail. He calls you to praise. Huh? Is that true? doesn't call you to fail. He calls you to praise. There was a lovely thing I read on the internet the other day, and I can't remember who it was, and probably that's God's way, so I don't give them the glory I give him. But it said, don't ask God what you want me to do. Ask God how, I can, how you can build your relationship with him. Do you know him? Do you know him for yourself? Because that's what had happened in, in verse 16 of Habakkuk. Suddenly he'd remembered how mighty God was. Suddenly he remembered that he loved him. Suddenly he was in the right place for the right time. And then he goes on, and then he goes on to say, even if all of this stuff happens, I will praise the Lord. Do you think somewhere in his psyche he knew about the the stuff that Job went through? Here is my servant, and his wife says, even now you must turn around and deny this God. And he said, never. Amen? Christ is not simply to believe. This is a reading I read. Christ is not simply to be believed. He is also to be encountered and trusted. He's not someone to believe in. He's someone to encounter. His death for our sin is not only to be acknowledged as historical fact but experienced as personal, present reality. That was written by Charles Wesley. Habakkuk fed his faith with the great things God had done. Right, two scriptures. How am I to time? Yeah, we're okay. I was told, actually, never apologize about time. I don't think that person's preaching anymore. I'm not sure. <laughs> I want to give you two scriptures to take into 2014. And they're not, they're not obscure scriptures hidden away in the depths of the Bible. They're two basic scriptures that I believe God is speaking to his church today. So if you've got a pen, if you retain that pen, or if you've got a highlighter or something, just write down these two scriptures. First go to Matthew 6 verse 33. Matthew 6, verse 33. When you're there, say amen. 
Okay? Thank you. Now, listen, these words you know so well, people. But take them to your heart for this year to come. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry for tomorrow. We'll worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But the verse I want you to hold on to, but seek first his kingdom. What's God's heart? That's what we're going to do. Even if it costs me my home, even if it costs me my family, seek first his kingdom. Amen? That's first, and I want you to couple that with Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 13. Yeah. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 13. When you're there, say amen. They're so fast, these gadgets, aren't they? So quicker than pages. We there? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I believe these two scriptures are so important for us in this year to come. He has plans for you. No matter what age you are, no matter what denomination you might put yourself under, he has a plan for you. Arthur Blessed always says, you can't kill a Christian, you can only transfer him. And there is no transfer fee. The price is paid. If he has a plan for you, he will not only equip you, but he will take you through it. It might be uncomfortable. One of my favorite scriptures is one that I was going to, uh, we were going to sing the song, Will Your Anchor Hold? I had to go to somebody's funeral to really hear the words of that song. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? You know, there's that lovely story where Peter is in the boat and the storm is raging. And I have a real heart for that. I'm saying, I don't like water that much, do you? I like the feet on terra firma, really. Kind of deal with that. But notice the wonderful thing in that scripture where Peter asked the Lord to ask him to come out of the boat. It was his request because God does not push things upon you. He does not force himself on you. He does not force you to do anything. But he asks you. And wasn't it wonderful that Peter stood and took the step? Now the funny thing is people say, what about all the other disciples? But that's not the point. They didn't ask. So you might be somebody in this fellowship that you ignore the rest, but you say, Lord, I want this. I want to do this. I want to serve you in this 
way or that way or some other way. Maybe you're in a ministry at the moment that you feel, actually, I, I need something to just make me buzz a bit. I need something going on. Ask the Lord. I don't know about David, but there's that kind of thing in me to open that up and read all the prayers. Just to see what people had asked. Because God already knows. He's already operating. Do you know that? He doesn't have to wait for that to be buried in the garden. God, God has already seen. He already knew your heart as you was writing it. And he's at work already. But it is. It's, it's knowing whatever is in here. Do you want to spend another year as few, pew fodder? Go on, Nelly said that, few fodder. I don't know how that works. But do you? Do you want to plod along to church Sunday by Sunday? Or do you want to do something exciting? I'm a bit excitable. You, you know that. But I don't see how you can know Jesus without getting excited. Huh? What a bloke to invite to your party, isn't he? Don't need to, to go to the offy. He's there. You're full dead. Raises you. You get sick, he heals you. He's there. He's at your party today. Do you know that? He's here. Isn't he? Amen. He's in my heart. Is he in yours? If he's not, ask him. He's waiting. Where's the handle? On your side. Open it. Get going. Don't spend 2014 like you did 2013. Now, it might have been an incredibly blessed year, 2013. It might have been amazing. There's better to come. Isn't there? And if you wind up in glory, even better. Arthur Blessed, who was carrying the cross, one day they had these collection buckets and he had this bucket in his hand, he was going along and this man came up to him with a gun and held it to his head and he said, give us the money. And Arthur looked at him and he said, shoot me now and I can have tea with Jesus. (laughs) And the robber was that absolute blown away by this man that he ran off. That's what God's looking for, a people who believe in what we preach. What the Bible says is what the Bible does. My Bible is alive. The word of God is alive today and tomorrow. I'm not mad. I'm going to get even madder. I'm passionate to see God's people I'm passionate not to see this place full up, no. I want it when I go out there that people are saying, what have you got that I need? What is it that I can go to any bank and I cannot get? I can go to any hospital and I cannot get. There's a lovely story in the Daily Mail yesterday, and don't take that as he's a Daily Mail reader, it's just a paper article. But did you see it of a child who was born with a major heart defect. hundred days he'd been alive, and he was due to go back to have some major surgery. And when they went to take him, he was healed all by himself, it said. No, he wasn't healed by himself. The Lord moved by power and healed that child. That's what I'm looking for, church. Is that what you're looking for? We want to see God move and see him use us. Because he loves us and he'll be with us. 
Be like Habakkuk. When you get home, don't lay it down. Read it through again. Look back and see what God's done and look forward to what he's going to do. In the mighty name of Jesus.